0: Good morning. How are we? Good, good. Glad to see you guys again. Uh, this is the last class of Foundations 101. Why Church? Why Church is the title. I think as a few more are walking in, we'll give them just a moment. Alright, for those of you that were not here last week, my name is Derek Dunn, I'm the student ministry pastor here at the church, so I see mostly uh, familiar faces, Uh, but if you haven't gotten a chance, uh, we haven't gotten a chance to meet, I'd love to shake your hand. Uh, Let's open up in prayer and then we'll dive right into the last teaching here in Foundations 101. Heavenly Father, we turn our hearts, our minds, our attention, our affections towards you, Lord. We're here Not to better ourselves, God, but ultimately to glorify you and to bring glory to your name, Lord. And it's your word that instructs us how to do so and leads us in that direction. So, Father, I pray that you would shape our hearts, you would shape our minds, you would mold our lives, and you would recreate us into the beings that you've called us to be. Lord, you love your church. And I pray that we would point to why you love your church and how you've set up for us to operate. Lord, we love you. We give you honor. We praise your name. We acknowledge our need of you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so why is the local church important? Why, uh, why is it necessary? And, um, when we talk in terms of this idea, this word church, I mean there's there's a whole study we can do and spend lots of times, and people have spent their lives discussing you know what the church actually is and and how to enter the church, and there's this idea of the universal church, uh, meaning that all believers in Christ are part of the universal church around the world and throughout history, God's people all around the world and throughout history, that that would be called the universal Church, but what we want to speak to this morning is the idea of uh, the localized body of the church. So where um, uh, Christians all around the world meet together, come together and gather under the name of Jesus um, all around the world in specific locations. We want to present the benefit of that, uh, the reason for that this morning. So um, we'll start with the uh, booklet. You can follow right along. I'll try to stay as closely as I can to there just so, uh, to help uh, draw out any thoughts there that we might need to hit on. And uh, so that our time together can be uh, concise and not too drawn out. But there have always been people who will downplay the idea of the local church or the reasoning for the local church. And uh, the thought process is, well, I have a personal relationship with God and uh, I don't necessarily need other people to help me. Um, with my walk with God, and, 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 and it's a personal deal, and I can read my Bible, and I can maybe even turn the TV on, and I can watch a preacher if I need to hear some good teaching. And while all of those things are, are true, that you do have a personal relationship with God, and you do need to open your Bible, and it's great to hear preaching um, from many, many uh, different sources, it's also uh, not just beneficial to gather, it's actually a model we see laid out in Scripture. And so... Um what does the New Testament show us? What does the Bible show us about the role of the local church? And that's what we want to try to answer over the next few minutes. The first church we see in Scripture shows up in the New Testament um, uh, on the day of Pentecost in the city of Jerusalem. So this is, if you know uh, your biblical history or you know the timeline of Uh, The church and salvation at all this is after christ has had his ministry in the flesh on earth and signs and wonders and miracles and uh, teaching, uh, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the good news of Jesus Christ has has unfolded in, in, uh, in history and he has ascended to heaven and then we see this waiting period of the disciples where J- uh, Jesus has instructed them to go and wait for the gift that he has promised and on the day of Pentecost uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit comes uh, on a group of people of 120 uh, approximately approximately 120 people in the city of jerusalem who are praying who are gathering together, crying out to God, waiting to see what happens next, really, because they're fearful, they're afraid of the Roman uh, government, and and here in this great moment, we see in biblical history, we see in the history of the church, uh, the day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit comes, and he baptizes those people in that room, and they become passionately bold for Christ, but what we also see happening there is the beginning of what we come to know as the church, and uh, we're a part of that. That continual process that the Holy Spirit is doing to build his church. But let's look how it unfolds a little bit. Um, so, so we have this day of Pentecost, and then from that moment, uh, the apostle peter uh who walked closely with jesus but then kind of flaked out on jesus right there at, at his death and was quite frightened the day of pentecost is filled with boldness and one of his first acts after being filled with the holy spirit is to preach uh like what many call the first gospel sermon the first evangelistic sermon uh to a group of people there in the city and the bible says that three thousand people responded to the holy spirit's conviction and uh, look what it says in uh, the book of acts verse 2 you can find the whole story of the beginning of the church in the book of acts that's kind of where we will camp out uh, skipping around a few uh, spots but acts 2 verse 41 says that you've got it there in your booklet it says that those to the uh, so those who received the word were baptized the word that peter had preached there and there were added that day, about 3,000 souls. So if you can imagine, just a massive altar call of people who respond to the gospel message that Peter delivered that day. I mean, it's it's amazing, the work of the Holy Spirit and how immediately impactful, immediately powerful the church uh, began. 3,000 people respond to this uh, convicting message. Uh, and then you skip down a few verses in chapter 2 to verse 47, and you see... Um, uh, what's going on uh, to continue this process? Uh, they, people were praising God, having favor with all the people. And then it says this. This is a very important aspect of how the church grows. It says, The Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. That's Acts 2, verse 47. It's very important that we, that we see ourselves as people that we haven't just tried to, we, we haven't just kind of moseyed in here trying to figure out, you know, where we belong in this road or this, uh, walk of life. It's not, we're, we're not just trying to find our place. We've got to believe biblically that if we're, we're approaching the body of Christ and we're coming close to Jesus and the Holy Spirit is at work on our lives, He is, He's adding us to His number. You know, a lot of times we, we can, we can, um, get into this mindset that we're kind of like doing God a favor by taking a stand for Him and we're, you know, we're gonna walk rightly and we're gonna live righteously and we're gonna, uh, change, turn our lives around and we, we kind of, you know, we, we, we may feel a little bit of pride about that. But ultimately the reality is that the Lord has added day by day the number of those who are being saved. I mean, we're part of what Jesus is doing. So it's important to have that perspective. Verse uh, 4 in chapter 4 of Acts, kind of skipping over a little bit, says, Many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about... Five thousand. So even a couple of chapters over in the book of Acts, we see a growing number of people joining the church, and it's and it's not just this. Hey, this looks like a fun group of people to be a part of. No, they're hearing the powerful, convicting message of the gospel. This is not an easy time to be a Christian in history. It's like God chose the most dangerous time in all of history to start a different religion. Okay, this is this is not like oh we just need another sub. Subculture, uh, we just need another group of people belong, to belong to. No, each one of these people who are joining the church are putting their very lives in danger. So for it to be growing this exponentially is phenomenal and, and actually is an apologetic point to the, uh, to the truth of this actually happening. You know, you look back in history and you study some of the Roman history and some just some of the ancient history of this time. You see the brutality of anybody who rises against um, the Roman culture and says that this is the way. Man, this is this is dangerous times for these people to be living in and they are converting their lives to to follow Christ. Uh, chapter 5 verse 14 in Acts and says and more than ever believers were added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women and you see the work of God in the church the local body of coming together people coming together under the name of Jesus growing right there at the beginning of the church um, after the day of Pentecost Uh, the book of Acts shows us that the church was counting the number. So so we're kind of starting to answer why. Why are we doing this? Why do we have people gather? Are, are we just trying to fit and squeeze as many people in here as possible in this building? Is it just something that, um, you know, Brother Rene is, is just part of this, hey, I want to be a pastor. I want to gather a bunch of people together and see how many people I can get. No, we believe that as pastors, as church leaders, we're, we're under a biblical mandate to gather the people of God to worship, to lift up the name of Jesus to to have church function to have church life. In um, in what we what we see here is that the church was counting the number of people, not so that they could brag to the people down the street. It wasn't so that they could compare numbers with, uh, you know, the Gentile or all the other pagan gods. They weren't trying to compare numbers. What the first church saw and what we should see as uh, being part of the church, we should know how many people are here because it's a matter of stewardship. It's a matter of saying, man, every life matters, every soul matters, and every sheep that Jesus brings into our, uh, group of people, we need to know them. We need to be accountable for them. Jesus shows us that his character is not to lose one whom the father has given. And so that's the promise that we have of Jesus, that he won't lose us when God has given us to him. But as a church, we want to be responsible to one another. We want to be accountable to one another. So we want to know who you are. You need to know who we are. We need to know who each other are. It's about and then so we see this practice at the beginning. They're counting multitudes of people. Not just to have this bragging number, but to know who the church was responsible to reach. The counting of people signifies the value of each person to the fellowship. If they didn't care about who became a part of the church, they would not have counted. We also see in Acts 18, so moving forward in Acts 18, that when a believer named Apollos wanted to go to another city, this is just kind of an example. The leaders of the church wrote a letter of reference for him to the believers in the new city. This shows us that Apollos um, was connected Enough to his local church that they were able to attest to his genuine faith in Jesus. It also shows that there was a group of believers who met in another place, in another city. So let's look at that account right here in the book of Acts, chapter 18, verse 24 through 27. It says, now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man. Competent in the scriptures, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately, and when he Uh, wished to cross to Achaia, or Achaia, however you decide to say that, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. So we see this this interconnectedness of the church. We see the fact that early on, the church is looking after its people and referencing its people. And one of the great benefits of uh, the relationships in the church is that Man, when you need help, when you need uh, to be, uh, when you need ministry, or or you are traveling, maybe you're, you've got a relocation, a job. Man, one of the great benefits of that is that man, call one of the pastors, call somebody at the church, and you're connected. And say, look, I don't know where to go to church here in Texas or Florida or California or wherever you've got to go, and and we will help you find great churches in that location. And uh, uh, it, it's just we want to be connected. Uh, moving along we're going to see that the new testament um, gives us a clear picture of what the local church should look like so we see that the church is necessary we we see jesus at the beginning by his holy spirit building the church and and growing the church and we see it expanding we see the uh, necessity of it but we want to look at what the church should look like acts 2 verse 42 through 46 i think you've yeah, you've got it right here. And they devoted themselves. So here's kind of a, a snapshot of what the early church is doing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So you see this life, you see this vibrancy. Um, you see this uh, immediate recognition that you know what we're set apart, and the gospel. These are people; they're selling their goods, they're giving things away. It means their their hearts have been shaped by the good news of Jesus. They've 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 been um, in a world where um, all that really matters a lot of times is survival and finding your next meal and um, making sure that you've you've collected enough for the end of the day and maybe tomorrow. You see these people selflessly selling their possessions and giving the proceeds away this is a radically different group of people marked by generosity and, and marked by trust in God and togetherness with one another uh, uh, some more examples the new, Te- the new Testament also shows us that there's, there's, there's a local body of believers in different cities Uh, which which is amazing and shows how quickly the good news of Jesus spread and people began to be drawn together because they saw at the beginning how the Holy Spirit began to work in the church. They saw that the Holy Spirit's nature was for the church to gather locally. And so you begin to see as the good news of Jesus spreads, it's not just a message spreading, but it's a group of people coming together under this message. And that's why we're here still today. We see in the book of Revelation, uh, the the Bible gives us seven names of seven different uh, churches in seven different cities. And so it's the church of Ephesus, the church of uh, Smyrna, the church of Pergamum, uh, the church of Thyatira, the church of Sardis, the church of Philadelphia, uh, the church of Laodicea. And so um, why do I need? Here's a question. We should all ask, why do I need to be a part of a local body of believers that, um, like that of the New Testament? Why, why does this need to be part of our life today? We're kind of talking in history. We're, we're looking back and we're saying, okay, are we still connected to this type of movement of the Holy Spirit in the, in the, the idea is yes. The idea is there would be no other reason for us to be gathering here to, uh, this morning than if we were not still connected to the original intent of the Holy Spirit and the continual work of the Holy Spirit, the gospel, the ministry of Jesus Christ. So I want to give four reasons this morning why we need the local church. The first one we see here is teaching. The reason, number one, teaching. Ephesians 4, 11, 12, and then skipping 13 over to 14, it says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning by craftiness in deceitful schemes our job not just as pastors but as mature christians is not to like sway people over to our opinions sway people not not to sway people over to like what we think about every issue in this world our job as pastors is to uh, to equip uh, people for ministry we, we, it's not for you to come to church and just completely be um uh, like a consumer of like what the ch- the product or something that the church has to give. Our job is to collectively grow in Christ. And if we're providing any benefit as a church or pastors, it's our job to equip your life, not just so that you have a better life, but so that you can fulfill the call of God in your life, so that you can be equipped and be a strong Christian, grow in your faith and be able to impact the world around you. Pastors are called to shepherd the flock of God. A part of that responsibility is to teach the word of God. And so our equipping, our becoming more like Christ and our becoming more effective comes through learning the word of God, having the word of God opened on Sunday and throughout the week and saying, uh, here's not just what the word of God says, but here's how I want to help you think about what the word of God says so that it, it can become applicable to your life. And there, from there, you, you move forward in, in the faith and you grow in your faith. Hearing sound biblical teaching, is a protection from the enemy's plan to deceive with false doctrine. That's the type of church we want to be. One that doesn't say, here's here's what I think. Uh, Anytime you see a culture shaped by what its leaders think, I'm not saying it's a dangerous culture, but I'm saying that your guard should go up a whole lot. Because our job as ministers is to open God's word, and not say, man, here's what Derek thinks about what this says. It's, it's supposed to be like, no, here's what God's word says. And, and here's how we can know it, it means what it says. And here's what it actually, um, here's how it applies to your life. And everything that we're learning and everything that is shaping us is not from advice, but from the good news. It's not from, here's some good advice for your life, but it's from, here's some good news that will save your life. And you take that, and you run with that, and you're shaped by that, and you're healed by that, and you're saved by that, and you're equipped by that. Not by man's opinion, not by smart words, not by some sort of wooing theology that that puts everything in place for you. It's by God's word. It's teaching. That's why we come together. That's why we need the local church. So, number one, we have teaching. Number two, fellowship. This idea of fellowship. Now this is pro, this is not like a really common vernacular word that we uh, use a whole lot. Uh, like millennials say hanging out or chilling. But um, the idea here is that there's this special type of gathering. There's this special type of communion with one another, relationships with one another, times together that the Bible points to and identifies as this word fellowship. Fellowship. Uh, Hebrews 10:24 and 25 say this and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near another passage if Philippians 127 it says. "...only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit." with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel these are the words of the apostle Paul and he's instructing the church in Philippi how to treat one another how to act when they come together not so that they can put on some kind of uh, fake face not so some mask but he's saying man, this is how the gospel should shape your life when you come together as God's people when you come together as believers you should be lifting one another up you should be standing Side by side as citizens of heaven, um, pushing against the enemy's schemes in each other's lives, moving and advancing together, side by side, lifting each other up, equipping one another, encouraging one another, speaking kindly to one another, edifying one another in the spirit, making sure your brother is okay, making sure your sister in Christ is okay. This is the the gathering of the saints. This is the coming together of fellowship. It's not just, hey, we're together, when's this going to be over? No, it's looking at each other in the eyes with the best interest of your brother or your sister in mind, saying, man, how can I be a part of what God is doing in their life? Much like we talked about marriage uh, last week, this is where relationships become so important in church. I want to be on board in your life for what God is doing in your life. And I want to have that mind when I come in this building, when we come together, when I meet you on the street, wherever that happens to be, I want to be saying, man, what is God doing in this person's life? And how can I jump on board and be a good brother to this this brother or sister? How can I help advance God's work in their life? Fellowship. Philippians two, one, two, and four say this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. Again, the Apostle Paul speaking here to the church in Philippians or the Philippi, he says, Complete my joy. He's 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 pleading with these people to respond this way by being of the same mind having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Man, he's, he's desperate for this. The Apostle Paul, as he is going out, helping these churches be healthy and plant churches and, and see churches plant and, and people be sent to different locations, he's pleading with these people. Man, treat each other well. Think highly of the work of God, not just in your life, but in other people's lives. Highly esteem one another. The local church is a place where you can find people of like mind who are striving to live their lives in a God-honoring way. Now this is a... uh, I didn't write all of these notes, but I think this is an important um, sentence to, to clarify. It says that the local church... Uh, is a place where you can find people of like mind who are striving to live their lives in a God-honoring way. So all of us bring, I think, that desire to the table. I think all of us bring that desire to the table, or you wouldn't be here. You want to be a part of a, a local expression where... Um, a local expression of the body of Christ where people kind of think similarly to you, believe about the Bible similarly to you. You want to be able to fit into what is being preached here. You want to agree with um, most of what you hear uh, theologically. But at the same time, I want to encourage and press against this a little bit. Um, it's important that you not just approach an environment and approach uh, a culture, a church culture, and say, let me see what these people are all about. Man, it's important that you come into a church environment and a church culture where where you say, you know what? I, I want I want to add to this as well. I, I wanna I wanna be a part of shaping what I want to be a part of, if that makes sense. So I don't want to just look and see if this place is perfect. This place isn't perfect. This church isn't perfect. The people leading this church are not perfect people. But the idea is is we want to provide a a healthy place. We want to provide a beneficial place. We want to provide a solid uh, foundation and, and good teaching. But the idea also, as Christians, as people coming together in the body of Christ, we've we've got to say, you know what, I know this place isn't perfect, but I believe I've got something to bring to the table. And collectively, uh, as, as one mind, as one body, as one beautiful collection of imperfect people, but God's people, man, we can be an amazing, beautiful place. We could be an amazing, beautiful group of people who, if we'll let down the walls of a fence and say, I know these people aren't perfect, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to come into this place, and I'm going to help shape this culture, help shape this environment into a place that, um, you know what, I think is becoming more and more healthy, and that's the mindset that we can all bring into this, uh, and we will, like the last sentence says, we find encouragement and support so you'll find that in your life when you're receptive but also when you show up and say man i know somebody i know i'm here for somebody to, to provide support to to provide relationship and encouragement so first two we've got teaching we've got fellowship and then we've got number 3 spiritual growth spiritual growth ephesians 4:11 through 13 say and we uh, and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Through the teaching of the Word of God, we are transformed in our thinking, which leads to spiritual maturity, and spiritual di- discipleship takes place in the local church. So, what is what is the Apostle Paul getting to as he's instructing the uh, the Ephesian church, the church of Ephesus? He's he's talking about he's talking about this really. I, I believe it's fascinating to me, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work to build our lives, to build our church, and he's got a goal. In another place, um, uh, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, the work that he begins, he will complete. So He's he's got a goal in mind for your life specifically so for your personal life jesus has a goal to bring you into a place of relationship with him that you've never been before and that glorifies his name and draws you closer to he, to him but he's also got a goal for us collectively and as we grow closer as we grow stronger as we grow as a body of christ we be, the bible the bible's saying we're becoming the, his body we're becoming strong we're we're stepping into what what paul describes as manhood and it's not excluding women but he's drawing out we're becoming Becoming a full figure, a full person, a full um, developed being as, as Christ's body, as we come together, as we grow together, as we listen to teaching, as we become more knowledgeable about God's word, and our hearts become softened towards God and towards one another, we're maturing. We're growing into the stature of Christ, the fullness of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians eleven one says, in the amplified version, version so it may sound a little different than your um, the version you read, just has like some emphasis. It says, "Pattern yourselves after me," which means follow my example as I imitate and follow Christ. This is um, this is what we hope we can provide as a church. This is what we hope that we can facilitate as a group of God's people meeting in this location where, where you've got leadership that we hope that you will understand that we're not perfect, but at the same time, we do desire to live in such a way, teach in such a way that we can say that, you know what, we are doing our best to follow Christ. And as, as we follow Christ, we want to say it's, it's not us that you're following directly, but it's Christ in us that you're, you're following because we want to be biblically led and we want to teach teach biblically and as we as we try to follow the bible and as we try to unfold unpack deliver god's word we want to with boldness be able to say hey follow us because we're not we're not trying to follow our own whims we're trying to follow God's word, and as we do that, we believe that God's word will direct us in the right way. And as He's doing that in us, while the imperfection of our humanity and and all of that, uh, man, be patient. But at the same time, we want to go in this 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 very direct uh, way in the following the word of following the word of God and teaching in the right direction. Um, we've got a note here on accountability. Um, when we are growing in Christ, um, it, God's word is is built in a way. Uh, and I know a, a lot of guys in here, you guys are going through some extreme accountability in your life. And honestly, I wish everybody could go through um, the program. If you don't know what I'm referring to, we have a, a program called uh, A Place of Restoration. If you don't know about that, I just ask you to do some research. It's incredible. It's um, incredible. Uh, Program at our church for recovery, uh, from, from all types of, uh, different things that, that have plagued people in life. But man, incredible results come and spiritual growth come through this program. But it's an idea that, uh, through biblical teaching, accountability, uh, through discipleship and leadership training, um, God is shaping these men, and now we've got a women's place of restoration coming, so it'll be men and women being shaped by by great discipleship and great accountability and so what happens is as we learn as we grow as we uh pursue spiritual growth our community becomes more accountable it's not about self righteousness hey i'm the bigger person i'm going to hold you accountable or hey we're going to be accountability partners all that stuff can come into play but here's what happens as we herald god's word as we lift up christ as we lift up jesus in the uh, in the word of god we lift up his word we proclaim his word and we and we have a very high view of that individually, and from a leadership standpoint, and from a body, the whole broad body of Christ standpoint, as we lift up God's word, and our goal is to uh, grow in Christ, we automatically, there is a system of accountability built in there, to where it says, man, here's what God's word says, and it is my life being shaped by it, and, and as my life is being shaped by it, I can help other people's life be shaped by it, not in a self-righteous type of way, Nobody likes self-righteous people. Self-righteous people don't even like themselves. That's just told a total side note. But, but in a gracious, in a gracious way, man, God's Word is shaping my heart. I can, by God's grace, help other people be accountable to the Word of God, to the body of Christ. And what's amazing, when we have this type of environment, this type of culture where the Word of God is held high, and that's, the Word of God is what's leading us, Man, the, the body of Christ can hold leadership accountable and say, man, here's what God's word says. Is, is what Derek's teaching, what Ben's preaching, is what Brother Renee's teaching, is it lining up with God's word? Or is it just their opinion or just their thoughts? The word of God, growing in the word of God, makes us all more fit for accountability. And when we truly have the Word of God uh, high in our hearts and in our minds, we will submit to accountability. We'll submit to one another. And we'll say, man, I, I I want to be right with God, not just for myself, but for your benefit. And you'll say, man, I want to be right with God. I want to be under the submission of the Holy Spirit and the teaching of God, not just for my own benefit, not just so my life gets better, but so that the whole body of Christ can grow together and become what Jesus is making us. So, uh, we've got teaching, of fellowship, spiritual growth, and this last point, the privilege of serving. The privilege of serving. First Corinthians 12, 12, 13, 15 through 20. Let's read that together. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit... We were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. If the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make any, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. God arranges the members of the body To their most effective place. This is a whole sermon in and of itself. I love talking about the different uh, giftings. uh, The spiritual giftings of the body of Christ. The amazing thing uh, to see here is that. When God is shaping us, when God calls us to himself, when God calls us to become part of the church, the local body of Christ, he's given each one of us something to bring to the table. And we don't want to be a church that says, hey, what do you have to offer? Come over here. We want we want to see what you got. It's not about that, man. It's about being equipped by the Holy Spirit to edify everybody else. It's not about making this building a better place. It's not about giving this church some sort of like uh, regional clout. Or some sort of um, fame in this community. It's not about that. It's about how can we all collectively be better. Uh, h- help each other become better. How can we all bring to the table what God has placed inside of us. To, to, to edify, lift up, encourage, build up everybody else. And I believe that God has gifted each one of you in this room, everybody at our church, with something to bring to the table, something to offer. But here's what we always have to remember, that those things express themselves so differently. So, I mean, I've got friends who are radical, like radical missionaries, like radical outreach people. I mean, they want to go every day to a new location and just just serve their just serve lights out it's amazing and i'm blown away at their effort i'm blown away at their desire to to just go so full speed and i'm over here breathing hard thinking oh my goodness i am horrible like i am such a bad christian because i'm uh i'm not serving like these people but what I do when I slip into that type of thinking, I'm, I'm dismissing probably the gift that God's put in my life and, and I'm comparing it to the gift that God has put in someone else's life. I love to serve, I love to, uh, like, I shouldn't say I love to build, I'm not very handy, but... Um, I, I love to, to get dirty on the mission field. I love to do those types of things. But what I do know is that my, my specific gifting is in other areas. I'm more relational. Uh, I, 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 I talk a lot more so I don't get a whole lot of work done probably on the mission field. You guys would whip me in shape. I know, but, um, The idea is don't compare, try not to compare the giftings, the skill set, the spiritual gift of someone else for the sake of what God may want to do in you. So that takes discovery, that takes time, that takes figuring out, that takes giving effort in all types of areas and say, man, is this it? Is this where God wants me to serve? And availing yourself to all sorts of different areas in the body of Christ until the Lord shows you, man, this is... Yeah, I, th- I think this is where God has me. And, and and I'm not saying it will always be easy when you're operating in your gift. But you'll start se- sensing a time. You'll start sensing a season that you can be in where it's like, man, you know what? This is, this is where God wants me. This is what he wants me to do. Hey, And that might change later on in life. But I, I believe that if you're sensitive to what God's doing in your heart and you stay open and not try to compare yourself to what everybody else is doing and you kind of find your lane and you stay in it, God, God will give you seasons of grace for operating in the church and operating on the behalf of other people and serving and, and encouraging and lifting up other people. And it's a privilege. It's a privilege that we get to serve in the Lord's body. This is the last passage here. Romans 12, verse 4 through 8 say, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function... So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. I mean, it's just very clear. So having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So it's just saying, whatever your bit is, like whatever your thing is, man, go for it. Just whatever it is, just stinking, go for it. I mean, if it's lifting people up, it, man, lift people up well. If it is starting a good business, maybe it's maybe it's a teaching, whatever it is, go full force. Just do it with, with your heart, with cheerfulness, with gladness. In this last sentence, God gives us unique gifts that are intended to be used to serve the body of Christ and to bring glory to the name of Jesus. That is... That is what, what this is all about. Our spiritual growth, our serving, fellowship, teaching, all of this is not ultimately for us. It's ultimately to lift up and point to the name of Jesus. If you will catch that one thing, That all of this is not about our benefit, but it's about magnifying and glorifying the name of Jesus. Like lifting the name of Jesus up high so that our friends can see it, our church can see it, the world around us can see it. All of the other things will fall into place. You will benefit greatly. You'll actually benefit more than you could ever imagine if your priority is lifting up the name of Jesus. Coming and gathering because Jesus has set it up this way. It, it's not it's not this consumer um, relationship. It's not this provider consumer relationship. It's that God has ordained the body of Christ. We come to this place. We come together as believers for totally different reasons than uh, than reasons we go to Walmart or a certain bank or a certain drugstore or a certain whatever certain restaurant. We're not here because of the product that can be delivered and how well it can be delivered and packaged and how much we consume. We're here because of a biblical mandate of Jesus Christ saying, gather as my people, lift each other up, ultimately point to me. And when you do that, all things will be put in place well. So um, I want to close here in prayer in just a moment. But um, I want to give everybody the opportunity. You've made it through this class, um, Foundations. 101, and at the end of this class, what we like to do as a church is offer the opportunity. And I don't mean to sound like a salesperson. I'm not trying to sell you on becoming a member of our church, but uh, you've got the opportunity to join Living Word Church as a member this morning. And um, that that is not as fancy or or like as as uh, amazing as that sounds. What what it does do though, is it puts us in a a a little bit more formal, deeper relationship. Um, and and it's not that we're not asking you to do a whole lot. This, this, um, let me read it to you this has more to do with us being able to say th- this person is in relationship with us we, we want to know this person we want to be able to care for this person we want to know when their birthday is we want to know uh, that if we don't see this person for a while we, we need to check on them we need to know how to resource this person that's what this form is about that's what being a member at Living Word Church is about it's not about hey we want your money we, we don't pass the offering plate around God's blessed this place um, exponentially. It's, it's, it's beautiful to see how God uh, c- continues to help us flourish like as a church body and an organization, but that's not what membership is about. Membership is about a covenant relationship, a, a, a deep friendship of responsibility on our part as leadership and on your part of accountability and being one. So um, there's just some basic information at the top, uh, and then we ask you to Tell us about yourself, um, at the, at the bottom. Just a few questions about your, your walk with the Lord. And uh, a short questionnaire, and then um, it tells you a little bit about what we believe. Some, this is not everything we believe, so please don't think that this is an extensive uh, list. But it does say that we we believe in the body as God's, uh, the Bible as God's word. We believe in being born again by faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. We believe that forgiveness of sin is only through the blood of Jesus Christ, and that marriage is holy um, and ordained by God between a man and a woman. It goes on and talks about. Uh, a covenant, um, just kind of not a contract, but a covenant, um, a relational thing, something that says, man, we're going to do our part and, and you're going to do your part, but it's, it's not about, hey, let, let's figure how much we can exchange here. It's, it's about over the top, loving type of relationship. It says to be an active part of the family at Living Word Church. I, I choose to be an active part of the, uh, family at Living Word Church, I believe God has placed me here to be a member of Living Word Church. As a functioning member, I will support, serve, and seek to be a blessing to others. I will pray and work together with the family of God. I will remember that if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it, according to 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six. And together we will work to spread the gospel here in our community and wherever God leads, Across the world. By signing this form, I agree to the biblical foundations on which Living Word Church was founded, and I'm choosing to be a member of this church and agree to the guidelines that are in place for the safety of this church, my family, and myself. So, um, it's, it's not about all this offering. It's not about the benefits of joining some club, but, but it does bring us into a, a more strategic relationship with you and with us and lets us know, Hey, we're on the same page and we know we need to, we need to look out intently. We, we want to steward every person that comes through those doors, but this helps us bring that to another level of stewardship saying we, we want to look after the soul. We know that, that they're here and, um, it's very similar to what we see at the beginning of Acts where, where they're counting numbers because those numbers matter. Those numbers have a name. Those numbers have an address. Those numbers have children. Those numbers uh, have needs. That's what it's about. So hear me on that. Let me close in prayer. If you would like to complete one of these forms you can take it with you or you can sign it today i'll have them at the table over here you can um deliver them you can put them i believe in the offering um, or or the front office at the church um, and uh, or you can give them to me if you want to sign them today let's pray heavenly father i thank you for the uh, attention lord i thank you for this teaching i thank you for the commitment of this group of people who have completed Foundations 101, Lord, I pray that you would continuously make us uh, good stewards of your body. Lord, you are the true shepherd. Lord, we are not. We are submitted to you, God. We are submitted to your word. And God, I pray that your word would shape our, our community. Your word would shape our culture, our environment. God, we would not presume on your grace and we would not uh, overstep our bounds. And Lord, if someone this morning is coming into um, a covenant type of relationship with Living Word Church, God, I pray that their hearts would be softened and that our stewardship would be done in a genuine way, God, and we would Be mutually accountable both to your word and to each other. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. God, bless each one of these people in this room. Whatever your, um, whatever your will is for their life, whatever your purpose, whatever um, your plan, whatever the, uh, the gifting in their life and the grace on their life is, Lord, I pray that they would, they would begin to see increasing uh, favor in their life and they would begin to see increasing flourishing in their life. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Once again, if there are any questions, I'll, I'll answer. We've got about eight minutes. But uh, if no questions, I'll, I'll set these over to the side. All right. All right. Thanks again.